0: Hello, and welcome to the BNP by Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis through the lens of sustainability on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing the upcoming wave of green investment. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined by Ed Lees, co-head of our Environmental Strategies Group. Welcome, Ed. Good to have you back. Hi, Daniel. Great to see you again. Of course, we know it's been a challenging couple of weeks. We've had, in one sense, perhaps not surprising volatility in the markets. Uh, Interest rates have gone up quite a bit in a relatively short period of time. Most everyone expected that that would cause turmoil somewhere, somehow. You just never knew quite exactly when. Well, when seems to be now. Uh, And if there is any surprise, is that it's back in the banking system. Uh, We had naively thought that all of that had been fixed post-global financial crisis and new regulation. Evidently, that wasn't quite the case. Nonetheless, if we look at how markets are reacting, I think one thing that's been notable has been the outperformance of growth stocks and and reversing uh, at least some of the underperformance that we had last year as policy rate expectations went up. So if we look at the uh, investment universe, investment landscape that you deal with, Ed, uh, what has been the impact of the recent turmoil in the banking sector, in markets, in your portfolios and in your investment universe?
1: Yeah, there's a lot in there to talk about. And you know certainly it is not fun to see a crisis again in the banking sector just because it's so central to everything we do. And this kicked off, of course, with the Silicon Valley Bank. And as soon as that happened, we immediately went out to our companies, uh, particularly those based in California, but a broader range of companies, just to see, did they have any cash at the bank? Did they have any open lines of credit at the bank? And thankfully, the answer was very little. We had one company with about 2% of their cash at the bank, another quoted sort of low single-digit percentage. One had a very small portion of a larger credit facility with multiple banks there, but, but it was very small. And of course, that's been backstop now anyway. And the bigger issue is really just the tightening and the broad lending standards that's going to come, particularly at these regional banks and what that's going to mean for accessing capital going forward. And since then, it sort of has spilled over a bit, and we're still working through that. But where does this leave us? I mean, well, clearly, the startup tech scene, VC, and private equity companies are going to be a little bit more impacted in the immediate term for how they get capital. But when we look at our names, one of the sectors that was hit the hardest post the announcements was the residential solar market, because they have to raise a bunch of money, and typically will do that through asset-backed securities. But our checks indicate this area is operating fine for the solar companies. Also, their credit position is really good. Uh, You know, their customers don't want to default on these loans because then they would just have to go and pay higher rates to their utilities. So in fact, credit quality has been really quite strong there. So the knock-on impact here is that the banking issue does make it a bit harder for the Fed to raise rates, and the market is discounting now multiple rate cuts by the year-end. And there's still some friction between those expectations from the market and what the Fed is saying. But we expect rates will have to come down, and lower rates should help longer-duration growth assets and those companies who need financing. You know, lower rates also influence the market multiple with lower rates helping to support a higher multiple. So this is very relevant, really, as we try to figure out if the market is already sufficiently pricing in a recession. And a recession, of course, that the steep yield curve is predicted for a while, and that the recent steepening could indicate is about to start. And while it's about how far earnings will ultimately fall, there is historical evidence that equities that have suffered due to rising rates and inflation should recover when rates and inflation peak. And there are growing reasons to believe that we're close to that point. Furthermore, I think if you look at inflation outbreaks from the 1940s through the 1980s, they've tended to recede at a similar pace to their rise, arguing against a uh, prolonged topping here. So from an outlook perspective, I think if I pull that together, I see more deflation coming. And you know we have some evidence of that today. China's industrial profits came in at down almost 23% versus 1.5% expected and down 4% in January. So, you know, this should influence the PPI in China, which tends to lead U.S. CPI. And we have we have a bunch of other indicators that uh, are showing inflation starting to come down. So, if that persists and rates do come down like the market's expecting, I think we could continue to see what you touched on earlier, which is a recovery in growth stocks.
0: So let's dive into a little bit more detail, particularly on the policy front. you have had really uh, significant events over the last year, starting with the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. That's been followed up by an EU version, if you will. California, as it often does, is following its own path, but uh, is also looking to incentivize more investment in green programs. Can you talk a bit about some of those developments and where the opportunities might be?
1: Absolutely. Let's start off with the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. Last year was the year of announcements, and this year is the year of enactment. Many in the market have been waiting for clarity from Treasury regarding the implementation of the act, and we expect that we'll get more clarity between now and the summer— For example, first up is Treasury EV guidance on the Inflation Reduction Act, which we expect will be coming by the end of this month, end of March, so really any day now. And this will provide enhanced certainty for car makers as they evaluate their supply chains and We might also get some light-duty vehicle information as well regarding emissions from the EPA. In this, really, it's battery manufacturing and sourcing guidance that's one of the key areas of focus. This will be interesting, amongst other things, as an example for Ford's partnership with cattle. We should hear about the clean vehicle credit that's known as 30D. Now, will we get a widening of a free trade agreement with flexibility to add new agreements? What percentage will there be on critical mineral extraction and processing requirements? We've already seen a widening of the definition of what qualifies to be an SUV under the credit. Uh, we'll also get some news on commercial clean vehicle credits. Uh, this is 45W. Here, there's been more flexibility in the past. This has uh, so far lacked the final assembly and critical mineral battery components, so EVs produced in Europe and Asia are still likely to be eligible for this credit and uh, maybe some information on previously owned clean vehicle credits, 25E. Broader Treasury Department rulings with more details on solar, wind, and hydrogen will be expected by the summer, so all of this is coming up fairly soon. And you know this is really important, because while there's been a lot of excitement over the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, with over $40 billion of new capital committed to 13 gigawatts of new green energy projects and 20 manufacturing facilities just by December last year— now, in contrast, it's being followed up with thousands of comments submitted to U.S. Treasury and the IRS requesting clarification on how investors can be certain of qualifying for the act's new and extended tax credits, grants, and programs And the key job ahead is implementing the laws that were passed. As a reminder, the Inflation Reduction Act, when implemented, could improve projected U.S. emission reductions through 2030 by 10 percent and increase the clean energy's estimated 40 percent share of U.S. electricity generation in 2021 to as high as 80 percent in 2030. So this is a transformational event that will benefit our sectors.
0: That's a lot then going on Uh, in the U.S. Certainly we've seen, though, that Europe feels it can't stand idly by and certainly not let European companies go to the U.S. and invest there. So they're trying to modify incentives here. Uh, What's been going on on the European front?
1: Europe needs to respond to ensure that Europe's energy security remains intact by strengthening its domestic supply chains. It's something that is doubly important, you could say, in in Europe, not just because of climate, but because of the situation with Russia and Ukraine. You know, there's been some doubt about how effective this policy support could be, given how bureaucratic things can be, I think, but... It looks like it's actually coming together. In some cases where there's a risk of resources being moved from Europe, there appears even to be scope for full matching with the US Inflation Reduction Act, as well as potential for local incentives. But you know, of course, we're gonna to have to monitor this. But last week as a starter on March 16th, we received some details. This is from the EU Council at a meeting, and Europe is targeting 40% clean energy equipment being sourced locally for solar. This is a six times increase for local content. Now, we expect member states to submit updated draft climate plans by June 2023. All of this is to give some clarity around the EU Commission's industrial plan, which comprises of the Green Deal Net Zero Industry Act, the Critical Raw Materials Act, and reform to the electricity market design as well. So the meeting on Thursday, Friday last week by the council approved this plan, and it's now subject to approval from the EU parliament. The commission should start to work on implementation in the coming months if that approval comes through, as we'd expect. So in summary, it's pretty exciting, and it's a fairly efficient process so far that's moving faster than I had originally thought. Between the EU Inflation Reduction Act and the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act and the potential for peaking rates, altogether, we see a constructive setup for our space over the remainder of 2023.
0: Well, that's a perfect way, Ed, I think, to end up with your comments, if I can summarize some of the key points that you made. You acknowledge that the turmoil we've had in the banking sector is likely to lead to a tightening of lending standards and restricted access to capital, which, without question, will have some impact on the startups, venture capital space, the companies that you're looking at. However, it'll also likely lead to slower growth and some deflation. And ultimately, at some point this year, we do anticipate lower rates from the Fed. And one of the consequences of that should be support, at least for the valuations of growth stocks, reversing a bit of the phenomenon that we saw last year. More particularly on the policy front, you highlighted how the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act really was transformational for your space. And the exciting news is that this is the year of enactment. So we'll wait to see what's happening there. You highlighted that. Europe also needs to respond, and if anything, you've been pleasantly surprised with the reactions we've seen so far. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. My thanks to Ed for sharing his insights. Thank you, Daniel. Just before we go, I'd like to mention our Uncapped Impact series on Talking Heads. Ed and Ulrich Fugman, the other co-head of our Environmental Strategies Group, talked to André Zarour, CEO and co-founder of Greenlight Biosciences, about using RNA technology and other innovations to create enhanced food and biodiversity security, as well as the role investors can play in this area. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris and Ed Lees. Please do join me next week. Until then